0: There we go. Hi, hey, I'm Joe Wood, senior pastor of the Vineyard Community Church, and we are glad that you are here. Today we are launching into our sermon series. A couple of months ago, uh, four, five, six months ago, I was uh, wrestling, and, and everybody kept saying, What's Christmas? What's Christmas? What's Christmas? And I thought, I want to wrestle with the idea of believing, and I want to do it just a little non traditionally, the way we uh, normally do things around here. Um, and so I'm not even going to use like a traditional um, necessarily. Um, initial scripture to wrestle with, um, to to talk about. I want to take you to the book of John, okay? That's where I want to go. I'm going to take you to the book of John, um, chapter 1. I'm going to begin at verse 1, okay, Um, because that's a good place to begin. And then we're going to read the scripture that I want to share with you this morning, all right, because we are entering into a journey of belief. If you are in here and you're like, ah, I'm here for the children, I'm here for, you know, it's, I don't want to be home alone, I'm here for, uh, I'm struggling to believe. Then listen, it's okay, let's all struggle to believe all month, okay, but let's, let's wrestle with it just a little tiny bit. The Scripture says in the book of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. And through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it or overcome it. And then if I skip down to verse 10, it says he was, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed And that's what we want to camp on this whole Christmas season. To those who believe, can you choose to believe the Christmas story and see it as more than just what the culture has turned it into? To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling amongst us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, the Baptist, testifies concerning Him. He cries out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. And that's the story that I want to begin with right there. See, Matthew and Luke took the time to absolutely write out an account of the Christmas story. So you can can read that. If you read the book of uh, Matthew um, and you read the genealogy and everything, I think what you're going to see that you're seeing is that you're reading the genealogy of Joseph, Mary's husband. And then when you go and you read Luke's account of it, remember Luke is a Gentile, but when you read Luke's account of it, then he lists the genealogy. I believe what you're seeing there is Mary's um, um, lineage. And then they both launch into the story and they both come at it from a different perspective, understanding that Matthew was writing to convince Jews that Jesus was the Christ and Luke was writing to convince his friend Theophilus, who is a a Greek, He was trying to convince him that this is the Messiah, God, who created the whole world. And for me, I wanted to start in John because Matthew and Luke are both like, and Jesus was a little baby, and John's like, okay, there's a Jesus. Okay. Now, by the way, he was in the world. The world was made through him, and this is the deal. He just goes right to the throat of the matter. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. And look at this as we go down through this. Because when I look at John's thing, I begin to ask the question, does what I believe really matter? Does what I believe really matter? It really does. And if, and if, if you're like, well, you know, we can, we can juggle that. I mean, just look at social media for the last couple of years, right? Does what, I mean, we're at the place right now where even the pictures that they're using to prove their points aren't even real. They're AI generated. And it's like, oh, my word. Does what you believe really matter? I believe it does absolutely. I believe it matters so much that what we believe as Christian people matters so much that it puts us in conflict with our culture concerning gender issues, morality of abortion, murder, lying, stealing, drunkenness, and more. And I'm not talking about the political side of things. I get that, that the, the, the human beings on this planet have, have politicized these issues, but those are moral issues, and they're not the one I'm going to talk about. I'm just telling you that what you believe actually matters. It matters. In the book of Galatians, Paul writes to the church in Galatians, says, But if even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Now, let me just tell you that in in the book of Genesis, I mean, excuse me, in in the uh, King James, I don't want to say original, in the King James version, translating into English, it says, If anybody preaches a gospel to you other than the one that we laid down, let them be damned. I'm not trying to cuss at you. What I'm trying to say is this is how severe what Paul is saying to you and I. When we read this, it matters. If somebody's preaching a gospel other than the one laid down through Jesus Christ, um, God coming down here, living for us, dying for us, being raised from the dead, and going to prepare a place for us, if anybody preaches anything other than that, then let him be condemned throughout all of eternity and separated from God. Yeah. Yeah. It matters. If anybody is preaching to you, he says again, a gospel other than what you accepted. Let them be under God's curse. Let them be damned. So we better get it right because we've been called to believe and to persevere in that belief. You've been called to persevere. The Bible is full of stories of uh, people that believed Jesus and took him at his word and acted Immediately whose lives were changed, received miracles, witnessed miracles, and performed miracles themselves. So the question comes down to, it's like, why doesn't it still happen today? Do we live like them in relationship to Jesus as they did 2,000 years ago? The whole 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is what's referred to as the hall of faith of people who believed even though they didn't receive everything that was promised to them. They believed so much so that they changed their lives immediately. You know, the word believe is, is uh, shared in the book of Matthew nine times. Okay? The Greek word for the word believe is shared nine times. In the book of Mark, it's shared 18 times. In the book of Luke, it's shared nine times. But look what John's trying to get across to us. In the book of John, the word believe is shared 94 times. Do you think John wants you to do with what he's writing down in the 21 chapters that he uh, has here? I believe he's trying to get across to us that we need to believe. I believe that we need to believe that Jesus is a Christ. He is the son of the living God, that he lived, that he was crucified for your sins. He was raised from the dead. Um, He is the ruler of all existence more than anything, that he went to prepare a place for us, that he's coming back to get us. And as a result of that, my life needs to change because I believe. I believe. If what you believe doesn't change your life, do you really believe it? That's something I I wrestled with as a young Christian. I wasn't raised in a Christian household. I was always aware that there was a God. I just thought he hated me. But that's a whole other time. So, So we're looking at this thing and I'm saying, hey, if I believe that Jesus is the Christ and I believe that he is God, and I believe that he wants to be in a relationship with me, is that all I have to believe? If I just confess confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then I will be saved. And yet the scripture says, and believe in your heart. But see, that believe in your heart means you change the things you do because you believe it. See? So therefore, we have to understand that walking with Christ or being a Christian has got to be about following the teachings of Jesus the Christ because he is the Messiah. And when we do that by by following his teachings, it's going to change who we are. And I'm not talking about just being a doormat. We talked about that last week. I'm talking about following after, standing up for truth, pushing back on the darkness, saving people that are lost, making a difference with what we've got, giving it up, only to receive it again from God himself. Jesus speaks in John chapter 20 to people that would believe in him. Scripture says a week later, his disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger in here. Because Thomas didn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. He said, not unless I can put my, my fingers in here and my hand in here. And he says, see my hands? He says, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. I need you to believe, Thomas. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, you believe because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed and he's talking about you and I we're going to be the ones that have not seen him face to face what about the apostle paul he didn't see him face to face he was overwhelmed by his presence in a bright light and a loud voice But that's you and I, and he wants us to believe. And then Jesus prays for his disciples, and he prayed for us who would come later as a result of their testimony. In John 17, he says, My prayer is not for these disciples alone, the ones you've given me out of the world, he referred to them as. He said, I pray for those that will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Somehow, you and I believe in Jesus and changing the order of our lives, changing what we believe about um, all of the issues that you see all of the time and saying, I need to do it God's way. Somehow, that is going to affect the world that you and I live in according to Jesus and he's challenging us to stand up. Not to stand up and throw rocks, to stand up and speak truth and not back down. We don't have to win, we just have to be willing to tell the truth. And that's going to be important. When Jesus was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he interacted with the Father. One of my favorite um, um, Bible stories, just simply because it means so much as, to me as somebody who relates to the Apostle Peter. He's always running his mouth. He, sometimes he has to slow down. And li- I, I know who I am. I get it. Okay, um, You don't have to remind me. But here's the deal. Jesus comes down from the mountain and there's a boy and there's a, a dad. And, and the dad says, and Jesus says, what's going on? And the disciples are like, man, we can't, we can't drive the demon out of this one. This is a tough sell right here, Jesus. And the dad says, I tried to ask them to help me, but they couldn't help me. And Jesus said, do you want me to help you? And he said, if you can. And Jesus said, if I can. If I can. I, I love this story. It says, uh, um, but if you can do anything, the Father says, take pity upon us and help us. If you can, Jesus. I love that, the, the way that that's written, because, I mean, seriously, the Son of God is standing there in his humanity, but the power of what God wants us to be able to do in our humanity. And this guy says, if you can do anything." Obviously, this guy believed he could do it because he had drugged his son there to find Jesus. And he found the disciples who were so busy with the world that they didn't have time to be full of the Spirit and as a result of that couldn't get the job done. And he says, if I can. Oh my word, if I can. He said, everything is possible for him who believes. Not him who academically acknowledges. Him who believes. To the person that is willing to do the teachings of Jesus when they make no sense, when they aren't good stewardship, amazing things will happen. Immediately, the Father exclaimed, I do believe, and I, I, I have built my life in chasing after Jesus on his next statement. Help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, Lord, please help my unbelief. It needs to go. Even if it doesn't make sense. If you can rationalize it, I almost believe that it's not from God. If it makes sense to you, I don't think you're on the right track. But following after Jesus, following after the economy of God Almighty, it'll take you places you never dreamed of going. The interaction became about believing more than academically acknowledging. Hey, Christmas time is a time of believing, time to stop and process what God has done in our lives as we move forward. I happened to be a couple of months ago um, watching the Polar Express. I'd never sat down and watched it before. I've seen all the clips and different little pieces of it, but I sat down and watched it. And you know me, I'm 63 years old, so I cried through it a little bit um, because I have eight grandkids, so you know it's going to happen. And so then I came to work and I told the staff, you all will watch Polar Express or you will not have jobs on January 1st. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was close. It was close. You can ask him. But I love it because the story is about believing. It's about a kid that lost his belief in, you know, St. Nicholas. I'm not going to say Santa Claus all day, okay? I'm going to say St. Nicholas. Can we do that? Just stay with me, okay? St. Nicholas of Turkey or Myra or however you, uh, you want to say it. Not Patimus, uh, uh, Pat Anyway, we'll get to that. All right, but St. Nicholas, all right? And so this kid has lost his faith, he's lost his belief in, he's lost, and 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 it's just crazy, okay? And so the whole story is all about him recapturing a belief. And I kept hearing um, King David from Israel saying, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Lord, please bring it back to me. And I thought, that's where I want to be for Christmas. I want to believe that God wants to do something in my life. I want to challenge you to believe that God wants to do something in your life. And that's going to be my whole December. I want to challenge you that God wants to make your marriage better. I want to challenge you that God wants charge of your finances and you will see amazing things happen in your life there. I want to believe, I mean, I want to challenge you to believe that God wants to give you favor at work. And that you will rise into places that you never dreamed of going because you remained faithful to God in a world that says you're not allowed to say his name. But you did. I want to challenge you to grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. And some of you are going to hear God say, come, follow me. I want you to go into the ministry. And you're going to be fighting with it again or some more or for the first time. But I don't believe that God has stopped calling people into the ministry. And yet that's the statistic that we see in the world as we continue to move forward. Some people confuse the whole holiday with Santa Claus, but why? I have a friend that finished his Ph.D. in psychology, and his whole dissertation was all about how we confuse Santa Claus and Jesus Christ. And as parents, we sell Santa Claus to our kids, but we don't convince our kids of Jesus Christ. And he's just talking in the world in general, but we can take some ownership in that as church people too. Come on. And he says we confuse our kids by lying to them, and then they grow up, and and, um, in the back of their heads, they think lying is okay in some circumstances, and then they just have to pick the circumstances it's okay to lie in. Ironic, isn't it? We'll get to that in just a little bit. The story behind Santa Claus, go back to the third century, just a big page that I writ, wrote so that I'm going to read it to you, okay? It goes back to the third century during the time of St. Nicholas. He was a monk, and he was born around 280 A.D., okay, the year 280 A.D., and Patera in modern Turkey, so Nicholas of Patera, Okay? This was a man probably raised in a church that Paul himself had planted 200 years earlier. His family was very wealthy, believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Parents died of a plague. They were filthy rich people. And he was a young man, and his parents died. As an only child, he inherited their whole wealth, but he had pledged himself to God for the whole rest of his life. Okay? And so he became known as a very, very generous man. There's all kinds of legends and things like that, but the long and the short of it is this is a man that, that, that inherited an absolute windfall but had dedicated himself to living in poverty. And so as he lived in poverty, he lived in generosity. And he gave away his whole inheritance over the years. I don't, I don't say immediately, but he gave it away enough that he became known as a giving man he was so generous that he was a giving man. Okay? By his early 20s, he was chosen as the Archbishop of Myra, Turkey, okay? which is a testament to his um, maturity and his spiritual maturity as well. During that time that he became the Archbishop, um, violence broke out against the church and it broke out severely for the next eight years at which time Constantine became the emperor in that area uh, and he decided that what was going to happen was Christianity was going to have to become the new religion of the empire and if they did that then they win because everybody gets baptized and becomes a Christian. And so they can stop murdering Christian people. So that's what he did. He actually was a believer, it would appear, in um, 325 A.D., Constantine summoned the first council at Nicaea and it was rumored that St. Nicholas punched another monk In the face, in and about the head, I believe is the actual phrase. He walked across because the man had such a heated disagree with him. I believe it was about the uh, um, immaculate conception of Jesus Christ and what role Mary could play because she was a sinner. Um, How could she be his mother? And he went over there and clocked that other monk. And so he spent the weekend, not the day, the weekend in jail tell that to your kids about Santa Claus, okay? (laughs) Children, tonight we're going to celebrate the weekend he was in jail, yes, so nobody gets food, okay? We will be having WWF in the living room just to see who has to be in jail, okay? Yeah, so that's what was going on. Just for the record, Santa Claus died on December 6th. His death is celebrated. Believe it or not, that was actually the celebration that began early on. They would celebrate his passing, um, even long before he became a saint, they, they celebrated his passing on the 6th of December. It gets moved later on, but somewhere around 1440s, 1445, um, the, the pope decides that it's time to, you know, to, to make him a saint. They make him a saint. He became Saint Nicholas. He becomes the patron saint of children and sailors, and um, people start um, giving gifts in his memory. I don't know what, what point it got moved to the 25th of December, but gift-giving became a custom because he was such a generous man. How generous do you have to be That people want to emulate you, and that's the character that they know the most. Because that's my Jesus. And St. Nick was preaching Jesus. Your Santa Claus preached Jesus. Think about that for just a second. So he dies, gift-giving uh, gift becomes a custom, gets passed down, Dutch people come to the United States, they bring Sinterklaas, they bring Santa Claus, they bring St. Nicholas, they bring him over here as part of their celebration on December 6th. Uh, December um, they have great big time together, and pretty soon um, the commercialization of Christmas gift-giving starts to take place. Believe it or not, um, the first time that a... Uh, um, uh, an advertisement ever went into the newspaper or, or a Christmas advertisement went up, it was um, um, 1820. That's the earliest record that they have of, okay? Um, these are very important facts to share with your children on Christmas morning while they're opening presents. So you might want to take note, okay? Um, 1840 was the first time um, it showed up in uh, an advertisement in the newspaper. In 1823, um, Clement Clark Moore, some of you might know who he is if you're teachers especially, um, wrote a little ditty called um, uh, "What did it, A Visit from St. Nicholas. That's what it was called, A Visit from St. Nicholas. Um, it got captured by a newspaper in 1820-whatever, uh, and it got printed, and its name got changed to The Night Before Christmas. He wrote that as an archbishop. Um, he wrote it for his daughters, just to make Christmas more special for them. But they did that. 1831, Coca-Cola had an artist whose name was Haddon Sunblum, do an advertisement in the present image of a short, portly, bearded, jolly elf in red clothes, trimmed in white, with a black belt and black boots became the image that we all like. This one right here. That's the original 19, or yeah, 1931 Coca-Cola commercial in which they looked at the description in Clement's poem and said, I think this is what he looks like. Up until this point, he was a very tall, um, he was depicted as six foot tall, very gaunt and thin monk in a hood like the great Rip, reaper with no reaper. And it was scary. It was like more like a nightmare before Christmas than the jolly elf in all sincerity but when they did that, it went crazy, okay? And so much of what we fantasize about um, Santa Claus is that. Now, the crazy is um, that the history of St. Nicholas gets so covered up in fantasy that I think even St. Nicholas, with all sincerity, I think he would, um, I, I, I think he would disparage us for celebrating or worshiping him to the degree that we do. You might say, well, I'm not worshiping him. I know, you know what I mean. We've taken his birthday, his action, his life, turned it into a cartoon, and he was the one preaching Jesus, not himself. And it's like, oh, wow, what about that? Huh? St. Nicholas of Myra would actually want you to focus on Jesus. He gave his wealth, his reputation, his life um, and in service to glorifying Christ. Why wouldn't he want us to do that? But we kind of move on. We call him Santa Claus, but remember, he died. And some people, I want to focus on, some people have lost their ability to believe in Jesus, not because of Santa Claus, just changing gears. We've lost our, our ability to believe in, in God doing things. We believe that God is there. I don't think that's hard for too many people in all sincerity. Um, if you're in here and you're like, no, nah, I don't believe in God. I'm a big bang theory. Where'd those particles come from? Well, I don't know. They could, uh, what made them move so fast that they crashed into each other and created energy? Well, I, you know that science says something can't come from nothing. <laughs> Sooner or later, you've got to decide where did you come from? Why are you here? And where are you going? It's not hard for me to see intelligent design in our universe. It's not hard for me to believe that there is a God in heaven who created all this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. But sometimes it's hard for us to believe that he does care about us, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard for us to stop and believe that he is looking down at the things that we're going through and the struggles that we're having. Sometimes it's hard for us to capture the belief when we've seen behind the curtain, so to speak. When he hasn't answered our prayer the way we wanted it to. It's difficult. There's a moment in the movie that I really, really love. I loved it from uh, Transformers. I loved it in this too. Not that Transformers is about Christmas. It's not. But I just love that moment. Bumblebee comes sliding over. The door flies open. And Witwicky says, get in. Jesus comes by. You pull the load of fish out of the boat. You step up on the shore. And Jesus says, get in. Come follow me. Polar Express rolls up to little boy's house. There's no track there. But there's a train there somehow. Conductor comes out. And he says, get in. Little boy says, I don't think I believe in God. Santa Claus anymore. And he's got all the facts and figures in his dresser drawer. He knows it's mom and dad. But they say get in. I'm not trying to get you to believe some carefully crafted story, legend, or myth. Jesus was a real human being that walked upon this earth and operated in his humanity and did the miraculous. And I believe that the person of the Holy Spirit, who is God Almighty, resides inside of you and I, and that's the belief that I'm chasing personally, resides inside of you and I to do the things that God is calling us to do, not magic, not magic, obedience. See people healed. See them cared for. See them loved. See them whole. See them saved. All of this is pointing towards making disciples. And I believe that that's what we're after. What is it that's diminished your ability to believe that God will do this? Whatever it is that you would love to have God do in your life. What is it that that has become the wall that makes you believe that God might do it for other people, but probably not for me? What is it? Usually something happens. We get hurt, we get offended, we feel like God's let us down. He took my mama or my daddy too soon. Um, uh, My spouse walked out on me, I got fired. It's usually something a little bit like that. But what makes us think that God does not want to do something powerful in our life, that he did not see that coming in it, So it caught him by surprise. Is it unfulfilled prayers? Is it a crisis? You know, sometimes the bitterness that we walk around in keeps God from being able to move in our lives because we're more focused on our bitterness than we are on what God wants to do. And God's not mad at us. He wants us to let go of the bitterness for our sake so that we can move forward. Is it a rebellion? Man, we live in a world where, you know, Moses talked to God about the rebellion of the Israelites in the desert. And I'm telling you, those Israelites got nothing on us today. Now, we got a rebellion down like it's breathing. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to do it. If God doesn't do this, then I'm not going to follow him. There's only one way into heaven. There's only one way into a close personal relationship with God, and that's God's way. And when I, as the person he made, fold my hands and say, well, I'm not doing it because I don't agree, I'm rejecting God outright. It's about following Christ and the teachings of the Christ. And what does that look like in my life? I want to encourage you that the time comes when we look at whatever that is that's a hurt, an anger, a frustration. Sometimes it's my impatience in my life that holds me back. And I need to begin to enter into Christmas by saying, Lord, you came to be my Christmas. So for for Christmas, I'm giving you this. I'm giving you my hurt this person hurt me Lord and it hurts God I'm giving you this I made a bad decision and you didn't save me and it cost us all our finances God I did what I wanted and somebody walked out on me and now I'm mad I don't want to be mad at you anymore God wrap that up And put it under the tree for Jesus. It's not the present that I would want to open or for somebody to give to me. But I believe with all of my heart it's the present that God wants you to give to him. Because the only present that God wants from you is the thing that's keeping you away from him. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not disgusted with you. He is not done with you. And I would encourage you that you, at some point, are able to stop and say, this has diminished my ability to believe that God wants to do anything in my life. I want that back and to take that step. Second thing is, what will you do to bring Jesus into Christmas this year? Listen, I love you parents, and you can play the Santa Claus card all day long, and I hope none of your kids that are in here are the ones (laughs) hearing me say, he died because I was thinking about the artwork for this sermon series could be 1969 God is dead on the time magazine only instead Santa is dead and then I thought no their kids will be sitting in there and they'll see this and then they'll yell at me because I said that well he died on December 6th that being said what are you going to do to bring Christmas into your children's lives the story of the Polar Express as a part of the, the boy's journey has to do with searching out to find that thing he wants to believe. All said and done, it's still not the truth. It's, it's a little ironic to me that we're trying to sell Santa Claus in a movie about kids that understand there is no Santa Claus, trying to double down on the fact that there is a Santa Claus, all the while that there is no Santa Claus. It's a cute story, and yes, I cried. But it's still foolishness compared to the truth, and and Christmas is Jesus. So what will be our journey? Will you you join your children together with you as you give into somebody else's life that can never give back to you? I don't know about you, but Christmas isn't Christmas and doesn't start for me until I can do something (laughs) for somebody else. Not my kids, not my wife. Okay? I'll spoil them to death and... um, we'll take care of that but there's somebody and there's been plenty of somebodies and so my Christmas started early and I'm so excited about Christmas now usually I don't get to do anything until about the 23rd of December this year I got to start early but what are you going to do to enter into somebody's life and bring Christmas for somebody else what are you going to do to share your testimony with your children of why you follow Jesus or why you believe this all of it the good the bad and the ugly Joe Wood was not a perfect little kid. I'm not hiding that and I'm not proud of it, but it's what God saved me from. I want to encourage you to make it your journey to understand how you fit in in the midst of sharing that story to God's eternity. You might be going through a tough time right now, but I promise you this. The more bitter you get, the more sick you're going to get, physically, physically. It is. God saw this coming. It's not fair, but he's still with you. Now, how do you move forward in the midst of this? How do we let God be God and trust him? Look around you right now in this church. More than a manger is an incredible opportunity, not for you to give money, but for you to be a part of the going teams that build beds for people. The coffee house is a great opportunity for you to stop and say, I need to bring a friend or a stranger to hang out. When was the last time you felt an unction from God to go pray for somebody across the room that you just thought looked a little sad and you just needed to walk up there and say, I just feel compelled to do this. I'm not weird, but please let me pray so I can let it go. When was the last time you slipped a little cash to somebody at Walmart, a gas station, or Myers? Because they looked like they could use a little leg up without a lecture. When was the last time? When was the last time you tipped the donut store or the coffee shop so big and so stupid an amount that you put it in there when nobody was looking so nobody would give you credit? But it would change the server's lives. We all hear the cliche about how horrible Christian people are on Sundays going to restaurants and we're not going to tip and so it's the owner's job and all that please just let that go and I don't believe that at all. I believe that there are Christian people out there that are amazing tippers and amazing lovers and amazing carers of people but hey set aside a little bit of money and say we're going to do something really wild and crazy with this Christmas present and change somebody's life who's serving people who are grumpy because they're out Christmas shopping at the best time of the year Think about it. If you always do what you've always done, Dave Ramsey says you'll most likely always get what you've always gotten. If you're going to enter into Christmas the exact same way you did last year, doing the exact same thing and keeping it all about you, then this Christmas will be almost be exactly like last Christmas except you'll be a little bit older. If you want something to change, then you have to change what you're doing, and what you believe, okay? I would encourage you to spend a day fasting and just say, hey, Lord, I want you to be a big part of Christmas. Last thing I want to share with you will blow this message out. Believe that Jesus came for you. Not for you. For you. For you. And for you. And for you personally, as an individual. Jesus stood up in church 2,000 years ago and said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release for the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair they will be called the oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor John records these words of Pharisee named Nicodemus for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life live forever for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. That's why it's important that we believe. Because through us, God is trying to save the world. God wants to know you and He wants to be known by you. And so as we go through these next couple of weeks together, I hope and pray that you will seek out the reasons to believe that God loves you. Because God loves you. God loves you. And I would encourage you to ask God, in the midst of all of this Christmas, God, help me in this unbelief. Help me in this particular unbelief. God, I believe, but I'm having a hard time you believe about my son. God, I believe, but I'm having a hard time you believe about my electric bill. God, I believe, but I'm having a hard time believing. If you can, Lord, and give him a chance to say, I love you. Let me step in and give him some room to work. I believe God wants to do something incredible in your life. I really do. But we don't always believe enough to let him because we're afraid. Why don't you come to your feet? We're going to go into this closing song right here. As soon as I'm done praying. But before we do, I just want to invite you. I just want to invite you. If you're here and there is something you're like, oh, wow, I needed to hear this today. I need God too. If, if you can do that, you're here. Could I, can we just pray for you? Could you just come up here? I'm not going to ask you to speak in a microphone or anything like that, but you're just like, I need that. Just come right up here. Jess, just, just come right up here. Yeah. Anybody else? takes a little courage to get out of your chair and say, well, listen, we're at church to meet God. We don't care what everybody thinks about us. I need God to help me believe that. So yes, I want prayer for that in church today. Can we do that with you today? Can could, could we have you come up here and pray? Can we pray for you? You're like, yeah, we're going into Christmas. I want to believe. I really want to believe. Yeah come on right on up here I want to believe but it's hard sometimes because I've been waiting so long God anybody else Just remember you and God it's as close as you recognizing that you're a sinner separated from God and I need God to change my life but I receive what Jesus did Thank you very much. And then let somebody know that you told God that. Okay, I need the prayer people that are on to come up here today. David, Penny, could you guys come up here? Would you guys just step up this way for me, if you will? It's okay. You can cry as loud as you want to in this building. Okay? There you go. I want you guys to pray for these. I'm going to pray for them like I do, but then you're going to keep praying while we go into our closing song. Fathers, we come before you. If we're honest, we recognize that there's some times that we believe, but we just don't believe for ourselves. And so as we come, God, we just ask and pray that your anointing would fall right here. Holy Spirit, we beg of you to come. We ask your forgiveness for times we've quenched you or offended you. We don't want to do that, but, man, if you don't straighten us out, we're going to keep. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Be here in this place right now. I pray that you would begin to wreck these hearts, wreck these lives, tear down these walls. Put things back into place. God, I pray that you would set your captive free. God, I pray for David, and I pray that you would set him free. I pray miraculously that you will step in and intervene, and I pray for compassion and mercy and grace. God, not a one of us wants justice, but I thank you for repentance and forgiveness from the kingdom of heaven. And so we just ask and pray that you would be here in a very significant, powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen.